0: Welcome, everyone. Uh, This is Carlos from Seedcamp. I'm here with the Director of Developer Relations of Evernote, Chris. And he's very kindly invited me to Evernote's offices where I'm in their official podcast room. And <laughs> so if this podcast in particular sounds better than any other, it's because I'm surrounded by what looks like an insane asylum level of foam. <laughs> yeah, um, so freaky. Yeah, it is freaky, but it's really cool. And there's more f- microphone equipment here than I've ever seen in my entire life. But it looks really, really cool. Uh, so thanks for, for having yeah, me. Yeah, thanks for coming, yeah. And Chris, you know, as, as this tradition, as I was mentioning earlier, we'd love to hear a little bit more about you as an individual, where you started. I know that you had several projects with major brands that you're going to tell us about as a web developer, but maybe like start, like who was the Chris of senior year in college? What, what were you doing? Were you like breaking stuff or making stuff? <laughs> what, what, what was going on?
1: What did you study? Where were you? Well, uh, Carlos, thanks for having me on the podcast. I think this might be my first podcast ever. So oh, cool. I listen to a lot. So I'm pretty excited. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah, I, um, who is Chris Traganos in college? So my background is a full stack web developer. So before I got into developer relations and platform partnerships, I was, uh, I was a web dev. So I did, I did a mix of contract work. I was pretty involved in the the WordPress community. I was building some custom plugins there. Um, I was doing small uh, SMB websites, like, you know, uh, CMS powered websites and stuff. But in college, I was working full time. I was working 40 hours a week and going to school full time. So uh, freshman to senior year, I was um, I got a job. uh, I think my first one ever during college was I was a host at a lobster company, uh, a seafood company that that has lobsters and clams and stuff. And um, they had heard that I was a web dev. And so they asked me during the holidays to come up to the office and help them with their website. (laughs) <laughs> um, and they actually also asked me to help pack lobsters to ship all over the states. Because those two skills are really sort of... I took the jocks. I'm like, oh, it's, ex- it's extra money over the holidays. I'm in college. And so I actually took it because they're like, hey, they need some holiday help packing lobsters. And I, I was like, sure. And I go up there and I'm like, oh, you're a web dev. Our commerce site to ship live clams anywhere or live lobsters is down. Can you help us out? And then I got really involved in that. I was already doing some freelance, but that... You could honestly say shipping lobsters, packing lobsters was my intro. It's a very Boston story. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, shipping lobsters. Yeah, so as was an East Coast guy, you know, born in Boston. Um, and the Boston dev community is a lot of, like, front-end developers. You know, back when HTML5 was getting big or even mm-hmm. XHTML, um, there's a big need for websites cutting off Flash. So I had done a lot of freelance work for um uh, one is a data visualization company called jest 3 They mm-hmm. did some some data visualization, but uh, primarily, yeah, I, I ran um, e commerce uh, e commerce site for for legal seafoods, and then um, I had worked for five years at um, as a lead web dev at Harvard University. So the job there was um, through a couple different departments, but ultimately their news office. So I rebuilt um, with a team uh, Harvard.edu. Their news site, which was a WordPress install, it was news.harvard.edu. Just out of curiosity, how often does the student body hack all the
0: stuff that you're working on? Just just because they want to hack hack the hack the servers? Yeah, just, is that like a constant thing? I heard that that's a constant thing.
1: It um, I think our bigger concern is uh is foreign uh foreign foreign governments trying to hack Harvard because of something they wrote. The students will hack like door access, so you know they'll try to hack into buildings or, you know, everyone wants to, um, you know, fall in the steps of Zuckerberg. So what Mark did in, um, I forget which, oh, I forget which dormant was, but basically he, yeah, I mean, he scraped the internal directories using a PHP script. He That was like two years before I joined, but he basically scraped it all and then created the first rendition of Facebook. So you will have some of that stuff like uh, spiders going about and like, You know, they'll scrape the cafeteria websites and then they'll make their own apps and stuff off it. So most of them are trying to build something to show off. But, yeah, you will have, uh, you know, spam bots and stuff hit you out of the blue. So is that a good context to start
0: sort of becoming a good liaison with developers? Because, I mean, at the same Mm -hmm. time you're working on projects, you have this army Mm -hmm. of of, of very smart people as well who might be giving you feedback and... and
1: yeah. So uh, it, it was a good opportunity because what I ended up taking on when I was at Harvard, uh, working at Harvard, um, I went to UMass Boston. I have to preface that. I, I wish I went to Harvard. But um, I ran a weekly I, – I ran a monthly uh, web developer and um, backend developer meetup every month. And so we would have – you know, Ethan, Ethan Marcotte from responsive web design. We'd have uh, data visualization people give a talk each month. It was a way for students and staff to kind of get a look at what tools we should be using internally at the different colleges and organizations. But it was also a great way to kind of get a sense of, um, as a web dev, you're only as good as the tools that you're using, and yeah. so you want to stay sharp. So that was a that was a good opportunity, and so yeah, I think f- kind of based on the work i was it was interesting i was a web dev in a news office so i was always the web dev when a huge news story hit us i'd have to make sure the sites didn't crash so figuring out i guess that that old term would have been like webmaster right yeah. so that's kind of outdated now but it's you know we got to make sure all our content delivery networks are up and running when commencement comes around we want it to work on mobile so i kind of pulled all together and actually i think in 2000 Eleven, I, I spoke at South by Southwest, and it was a talk on developer strategies in a news office. And so, the concept being, you're a web dev in a news office. You work with crazy writers, crazy photographers, uh, 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 powerful administration, and your job is to make sure nothing breaks and everything works. Yeah. And who, what services and tools you rely on to make it happen. So. Wow. Yeah. And so, and what? How did you make the transition to Evernote then? So I was, yeah. So I was, uh, I was at Harvard it was probably my fifth year. We just relaunched Harvard.edu, and it was um, it's a great project. It was definitely going to be maintenance mode for the next couple of years after that. Mm. Uh, we I had an awesome opportunity to work with HappyCog and some other mm. companies I, I super respect. And Evernote was originally a Boston company. So a friend of a friend had kind of reached out through Sequoia's recruiting, Sequoia Capital's recruiting team. Mm. Um, I think they had saw the talk itself by, and so they wanted someone to rebuild Evernote.com. So I was going to be um, all of their hires before that were just native app developers, mm. iPhone, iOS, Android. But they were looking for actually a a full stack dev to come in and kind of rewrite. You know, a lot of startups will just kind of build a landing page or maybe they'll build a contact page, but a, a lot of startups aren't like an ad agency where the, the the full CMS, all that's not built out. So yeah, they had hired me to. Um, I think they reached out on the Tuesday before Labor Day in September. I think they flew my wife and I out on a weekend because I had already turned them down. Um, And then I think they convinced me in a day or – I think we moved – them reaching out to us in California was six weeks. So my my daughter, my wife, and I, we – yeah, we made it happen pretty quick because it seemed super exciting. Evernote was about 80 employees then um small team i mean small ish so, yeah. so you know it was small ish
0: right yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah but at the same time like it's massive now in many ways yeah. and and i think one of the interesting things that i'd love to hear you share is is that growth like what's that growth been like from the inside how's that changed how's your role and and keep in mind you know that that um, that evernote now is is such a powerhouse when it comes to not only the core app but also the additional apps which include everything from uh scanning uh, anything from business cards to documents via the Fujitsu partnerships and mm-hmm. a couple of things like that. So how, how's that? How's that grown Like from the moment you came in to now?
1: Well, certainly a lot more people <laughs> um, when when I had started, it was pretty small, but I mean, definitely are we I think. We had always been around for the Windows, stuff. we launched first on Windows, but mm. then um, our big break was getting featured in the Apple App Store. So mm. I think the first day mm. that Apple announced the App Store back in, what, 06 or mm. whatever, we um, Evernote had had been featured on day one. So that definitely mobile was a huge opportunity for us. So a lot of the growth has been uh, in everything from uh, our AI team helping with figuring out the context of notes, how notes work together, um, Security, we, we hired a huge, we had a security team from, I think we, we got a lot of them from Zynga, some gaming companies, um, taking our ser- our security seriously. Um, yeah, so our growth has definitely been like BI team, business intelligence, a lot of the things that kind of make the product better, mm. make the first launch experience better. Mm. Um, I had transitioned, so I built Evernote.com, but then they had asked me, hey, you know, we have a 15 page PDF about the API have any interest in making a a dev portal about that and that's actually how i got hooked i I started actually kind of writing up uh, dev.evernote.com showing people how to get started with the api and then um, i think the first opportunity was we were doing a hackathon with samsung in sao paulo Mm. brazil and they're like hey chris you know our api do you want to come with us to do this hackathon yeah and um so i mean that's a that's a very interesting topic
0: because i think a lot of startups are wishing and hoping that they can create that kind of, mm-hmm. that buzz around their API so that products are built. And you know, during today's session with some of the Seedcam companies, you were walking through some of uh, the apps that are being built, including Alternate and a couple others where they're built on, on the API. Mm-hmm. Um, and since you were an architect behind that, what would be the top three tips that you would give a startup that is now thinking, okay, I want to build a developer relation, uh, track with a recently or just about to be launched API, and how to put that together in a mm-hmm. way that it leads to success mm-hmm. and
1: use by other people and there is a community. What, what are the top three tips there? Okay. So top three tips if you're going to go into platforms or having an open API. I think one is we've had our API open for about, it's been open for about six years now, and I would say kind of looking over the past, the four years that I kind of made it public and... Mm-hmm the years before me. Don't build a platform for the sake of building a platform. I think everyone gets excited about the term hackathon or uh, getting devs to try out your platform. But in reality, I think startups should take a partnerships angle. So I think that a sub, a small set of well integrated apps on for your application are going to make the difference. The meaning be, I think 1% to 10% of all the 50,000 apps that connect to us are the ones that actually drive our business goals. So at the end of the day, Evernote wants to know what value does the platform add to our core line, which is direct revenue, increased engagement, and new exposure, new users. And you're going to want to have, like, even for your, if you do have a business development team, you want um, you want developers who are on your team constantly integrating with new APIs but making sure that experience is great, so you, really your platform should just help you reduce friction to help your users get more things done. Mm-hmm. So I'd say I'd say that's one. Um, I'd say decide the KPIs for your platform. So for us, it's um, how does the Evernote platform increase engagement for our users? How do we? Um, how does a user get more value out of the platform plus Evernote to uh, convert to premium? And then how does? Um, how can we reduce churn? So if you use Evernote plus a killer a- calendar integration, I mean, we know that you're probably going to stick around. Um,
0: but how, how do you mention, easier. sorry, I kind of interrupted yeah, 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 the third yeah. one. Yeah. But so I, I want you to keep in mind that, that we still have one more to go. But oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but, yeah. but the engagement, you, you mentioned engagement and then, you know, you then you mentioned later churn, but with an app um, where you're basically powering some other app that mm-hmm. is the one that's actually the engagement. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you go through that? I mean, it, to some extent, success just means having the data. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that you you have visibility on what's going on on, on the on the UI end of things.
1: I think uh, we'll get to it. But if I was to have a third or fourth point, it would be uh, if Zynga can't survive off Facebook's platform alone. Uh, there's no one platform that a company should base themselves off. So mm-hmm. the best companies we partner with, they're connecting the multiple platforms. Evernote is one useful tool amongst all their products. Mm-hmm. That said, what we look at a lot, um, when I'm looking at our API dashboard and when I'm running SQL, um, SQL reports based on our top API keys, mm-hmm. I'm looking at um, a couple things. Uh, one is I want to look at causation versus correlation. So mm-hmm. an Evernote user you know, I know 50% of those us- of ifty users are paying premium users. Mm-hmm. But then the argument is, oh, did, were they already a premium user and then they looked for apps? Right. Or did the use of Evernote plus Sunrise Calendar help you become more valuable? Yeah. So the types of reports and types of studies I'm looking at is show me users that were already active. Show me, um, show me a user that was already active, decided to connect to a third-party app, and then maybe in the third month went premium. Compare that to mm. an Evernote user who never has used the platform. Yeah, they are Evernote only. They only use our own internal products. Mm. And what I see is a, a couple of different things, but mainly what I see is we look at your average sessions for all those users over the first month, yeah, before, while they were active. The second month when they first connected, the third month. I want to see how does your sessions increase over three months. So if you were to just use Evernote only, your sessions are going to increase by you know ten percent or whatever. Yeah you know, logging in more to Evernote, if you're using our top apps, you know, Feedly, Sunrise, Ifty, Pocket, I mean, your sessions are increasing by a factor of eight to 20 times because our challenge is we need to, we need to help you figure out what is Evernote, what use case is Evernote going to be for you? Are we going to be your note taking app? Are we going to be your project manager tool? Evernote is a generalist app, but with a good partnered app, we can actually help push a certain use case. Um, so, yeah, so I and, and when you look at that constant of just an Evernote only user versus Evernote plus a platform app, mm. it's pretty significant. And the same thing goes to a crappy integration. If mm. we have an old hardware partner that we they launched it a couple of years ago and that experience is pretty poor, we can see that negatively affect your engagement in your. So, you know, you imagine the X axis being. Your increase in percentage and increase of sessions over time, yeah, and then that Y axis being your propensity to convert to premium, yeah, and all the apps on our platform sit somewhere on that scatter plot. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I interrupted you. Third know, one. No, no, yeah. Third one. Okay. So third one, I think this is this is something I have learned the hard way over running the platform for mm-hmm. the last three four years is you really want to have. The term platform can be misleading because I do think, at best, Evernote is um, is your modern workspace. Evernote is where you can have a lot of things come in and out of. But I want to really, when I whenever I'm working with another app or another company, I mean, we want to preface it with: should we partner? Should we integrate together? What is the value? What are the service? What are the features that we both have that are complementing to each other? Most partnerships last for a year, maybe two years. We can renew it, but I want to preface that. If you're going to build on our API and if you're going to use our OCR technology, you're going to leverage something. I want to set the, I want to set the ground rules that we will help you get engaged users. I think our users from what our partners have told us a good chunk of them, more than half convert to premium for their services, but you're going to want more distribution than off one app. It breaks my heart when I see a company relying on one platform only. And then they're really just an add on for someone else. Whereas they're not their own brand. They're not their own product. And at best, I'm actually giving that startup or that app, I'm giving them more recommendations. I'm, I'm referring them to other platforms in the valley. Um, their survival actually is affects my customers. So if yeah. I promote an integration with a partner, with a startup, I want to make sure they're around in a year or two. Yeah. And if they're only depending on us for all their new users, yeah. that's going to be an issue. So I want to kind of preface it with them, like, we will support you. We will be with you. But have more integrations, make yourself the best useful yeah. tool possible. Yeah.
0: OK, so let me flip that statement yeah, go then, for it, yeah. because it, it would seem like that would be the prudent thing to do as a startup. Say, fine, you know, like Chris got a point. I shouldn't rely on one integration. It's amazing that I got Evernote as a partner mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they're promoting me. But now I need to go get others. So what have you seen as the best way uh, for a startup that has very little value in some ways to a large platform? Uh, how what's been the best initial discussions for partnership? Uh, that you've witnessed or that you've been part of. Mm -hmm. And I guess if we were to take uh, a new top three list, what would be the top three list for a startup who wants to integrate uh, with a a company like Evernote Mm -hmm. uh, and and wants to start those partnership discussions? What's the best three things to sort of consider and and to sort of Mm -hmm. keep in mind as they approach that conversation
1: with you and with others? Some of the best partnerships we've ever struck, some of the best integration partnerships we've ever done to... took us six months to a year to really agree on it. So mm. I think we kind of went in there thinking, let's work together if it makes sense. Let's make, let's work together if we do some customer, develop, customer development. Let's really find out, is this a use case that's compelling enough? Yeah. Because an in integration, I mean, we don't charge for our API, but that's going to cost you engineering hours. Yeah. If there's something we have to build on our side, that's going to be a cost too. Yeah. I mean, just servicing, I think the number I told your, you, know, the seed camp companies, um, we have 50,000 developers on the platform Um, There's arguably three to five hundred apps we actually focus on that we process half a billion API requests a month from those third-party developers. So Mm -hmm. the volume from that handful of apps is pretty significant. I would say that if there's something in Evernote that could be of value to you. So our focus is we have a killer note-taking integration. Why not use us? Find out what your core product is. And then for the things that are tertiary to you, partner with us or another product. Yeah. I mean, we are always going to want to make our users achieve more and produce more. So if we can be a value, let's partner. But let's not do it for the sake of doing it. Yeah. Um, Because we're going to want to measure later how valuable is that. Should we keep doing that? Mm. Um, Yeah. So we've seen some interesting things. I mean, we did that scanner pen. We did LiveScribe a couple Mm. of years ago. That was a interesting – that was something different for us where – you bought this. You could write and it would scan at the same time, mm-hmm. but it would always be synced with Evernote. Mm-hmm. We did. Um, we built a really killer integration with uh, Fujitsu, where ScanSnap, where everything you scan into the scanner automatically goes into your Evernote. But, it's but those m- are it, those are intimidating partnerships yeah. because th- those are big companies. I mean, we're That's not. Fair. We're not I'll, talking. I'll do a smaller one that yeah. actually I'm super proud of. Okay. So, we we know. I mean. Two things that is not in our wheelhouse is spreadsheets. I mean, you can attach a spreadsheet to an Evernote note, but, Mm -hmm. you know, you're typing notes into Evernote. We're not really, uh, we're not a tabular data tool. We we would prefer to partner with um, other companies for that. The other thing that is um, not our primary use case is calendaring. So we know that people are creating notes around meetings. We know that. If a meeting's coming up, it probably would be smart for a, a service to prompt you to create a new note for your minutes in a meeting. So we had two French developers who reached out to us. They had a really cool uh, app that worked for Android and iPhone. Their name is Sunrise Calendar. And Sunrise is pretty cool. It's, it's the ability to really look at any of your cloud services um, yeah. attached to uh, kind of look at it at an overlay on your Exchange in your Gmail calendars. And so we had actually reached out to them. We're like, that's a killer app. We'd love to partner with them. And we saw them at TechCrunch Disrupt in New York, I think, one year. We, we hung out with them a little bit. And then they were in the Valley, and we, we had some meetings. And we realized, like, we just launched a feature called Reminder. So you can take any note, and you can set a reminder and a date on it. And then so it took us a while. It probably took us four months to keep talking. And then this feature came out, and, and Sunrise is like, well, you have no way to look at all your reminder notes on a calendar view. So it, it actually doesn't help you. If you say, remind me in two weeks, you're not actually seeing that visualization. So we were like, all right, let's 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 work on that use case. Yeah. Also, when upcoming meetings are coming, when upcoming meetings happen, prompting you to, create, to yeah. create a new note. So Sunrise Calendar built a killer integration with us. It's real time. It's awesome. Uh, they ended up winning our, we do a yearly platform awards where mm. we show off the best new apps. And uh, it was pretty exciting because I think it was... Uh, three, four weeks ago that uh, Microsoft announced they acquired them for $100 million. Yeah. And they're going to keep those integrations, but it's really, um, it's going to become like the Outlook calendar. Uh, we love those types of stories because they just add value. Yeah, we're, we're one of the tools there. Um, we have some other apps, uh, Live, Live Minutes, they're, yeah. they're funded by Google Ventures. Live Minutes, uh, Uber Conference actually, Uber Conference allows you to. And how did those founders reach
0: out to you? I mean, how did that relationship start?
1: We have, uh, if you go to dev.evernote.com, we have a contact form. A lot of times they'll just, they'll reach out. I know for myself, when I wanna, if someone wants to find you, they're gonna find you. When I find an app that I'm like, I look at their app store ratings, Mm -hmm. I look at their featuring, we gotta work with them. I look up them up on Crunchbase. I will just submit. I will reach out via their like contact support form or press at whatever well, But com. I mean, what you're saying is actually
0: quite uh, uh, liberating because the, 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 I think the stereotype sometimes is that it's such a large company you need to you know you need to know somebody. So you're telling me that on the on on the receiving end of this, you're pretty much sifting through all these individually uh, and personally.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's a big shift for us when we launched our platform. When we launched the, the API, we were like, let's just show off how many users we have. Some of some of the other cloud companies will say, oh, we have a thousand apps in our app store. I think the big shift for us. about a, uh, two years ago, is I was uh, meeting with our CEO, Phil Libin, and he was like, look, I'd rather 50 great apps in the app center than a thousand crappy ones. And he's like, if someone if we promote a third party app yeah. and they connect, and it doesn't work. It's going to, it's going to look broken. Yeah. So that kind of switched my thinking to, I have an App Annie account. I have an AppFigures account. I have ChartBeat. I have our API dashboard. And I'm constantly looking at integrations that I didn't even talk to. They just built it themselves. Mm. I'm also looking best in class for vertical. So I'm looking at the recipes vertical. I'm looking at the CRM vertical. And usually if we can get, um, if we can break in with one company, have a killer partnership, usually a lot of their peers will start integrating with us too. And so I will just reach out because I know that like Mm. any new app we add to the app center and Mm. we reject most of them, but any app that's a killer experience, it's probably going to get picked up by TechCrunch or get picked up by The Verge. We've had a lot of our integration stories talked about um, in tech.
0: So you basically have a thesis. You're like a VC in a way. You're, I wish. <laughs> you're reaching out. You're like, I have these four verticals that I invest in, yeah. and I'm going to reach out to these that's, that sort of stand out for me. Yeah. But on the flip side, uh, and I guess the, the previous question is like, how much of the inbound stuff do you really do you accept? Because I think um, the, the sort of younger startups are probably wondering like, oh, I have this amazing thing that would, would would work. Should I just hack it and then hope that you'll notice or is there a... is there? That's a very good
1: point. Um, I actually... Like if you've built a working prototype or beta, I'm way more likely to want to connect with you because uh, I struggle when I have a meeting and it's like, what's the opportunity? What are you going to do for us? And nothing's built yet. It's actually like uh, the developer side of me, I want to work with all devs. I love... Um, more partners than should give me access to their test flight, and I'll mm. actually beta test for them. Like I'll beta test before we even go public with an integration, because if the integration is killer, it's going to add value to our users. I look at a couple things. So I look at um, apps that already have big distribution. They're already uh, they've already been featured in the app store. I know how many times you've been featured in the app stores. Any of them, um, thanks to App Figures, and I have some crazy Google Sheets that do some page scraping for stars and ratings. Yeah. And so I look at, are you already a big app that has some distribution that might even be a bigger brand than Evernote? That's, that's great. Are you an app that is just a killer use case? Like it is something that like a lot of people have told us. Um, I'm gonna look at that as well. And I'm also gonna factor, is this a use case that makes you rethink why you use Evernote? So we have um, SwiftKey, they're actually from the UK. Yeah. SwiftKey approached us and they're like, look, we built an integration, it's already live. You connect to Evernote API. Anything you've put in, ever the difference between email and Evernote is you're intentional about what goes in your Evernote. So it's either a page you clipped or a note you typed. Mm-hmm. And so SwiftKey took every word you've ever written or clipped into Evernote. It creates a binary tree off every word. So you're auto in SwiftKey, you're auto-typing. All of a sudden after you connect Evernote, your last names, addresses, things start auto-completing because arguably Evernote knows the yeah. most about you. Um, yeah.
0: That's good. To some extent, that's a good way of saying, well, a startup from the UK uh, can show a really good product, uh, come to you, you say, I'm going to green light it into a far uh, deeper partnership. And I guess what's perhaps hidden behind the walls of a partnership agreement here is how you then boost SwiftKey now that they've p- approached you with yeah, the Yeah, that's stuff, a good point. Right. Like, h-
1: what, what is it that yeah. you guys then use to boost that that's a very good example. Actually, and I can give a specific walkthrough relevant to uh, some of your companies in Seacamp. Yep. Uh, we flew out to, um, one thing I do is I just troll the startup battlefields at TechCrunch. Yep. So TechCrunch Disrupt, um, if I sponsor the hackathon or if I'm involved, really what I'm, I'm also trying to do is I'm trying to find new startups that can add a lot of value to our yep. users. And so I went around TechCrunch Disrupt London where we yep. met and I was finding companies. One of the companies that I was blown away by is they're called Startup Tracker, so yeah. Startup Tracker IO, yeah. and they use the Crunchbase API and the Evernote API. It's just a simple Chrome extension that anytime you're on a web page, it, it picks um, startups, founders, and VCs, it, it searches them on Crunchbase, Product Hunt, and it allows you to write a quick note about them and save it to your Evernote. Mm. That's an example of like, it's good design, it's a good use case, I found them first. I found them before any other of com- the companies in the Valley found them. And so the process is, if it's a good experience, if we've been testing it, I have an app review team actually mm-hmm. that will try it out. So you either formally submit for app review mm-hmm. and we might pick you out of that and move forward. We meet you in person, try out the app, pretty blown away by it. We add you to the app center. So I'm looking for quality of design, use the integration. If all that's green light, we put you in the app center under a certain category business, productivity, lifestyle. You're in the app center, that's more of our seal of approval. That tells my marketing team, that tells my Evernote business sales team, that tells them all. The dev relations team has approved that app. The app is not gonna break people's accounts. It's not gonna delete people's notes. So if you're in the app center, that kind of gives the company a green light. They're only gonna look at integrations that are in the app center. But that opens the door to things like if you're a more CRM or business app, um, our business and sales team will talk, will pull you in on webinars to give a walkthrough mm. on how to use the product. Our marketing team is constantly doing user profiles and app spotlights. So we might ha- profile a top chef, but we'll also ask the chef, what are the three other apps you use? Mm. And then we'll be linking to your website. Okay. And then occasionally we will do in-app promotions. So we have an in-app promotion area where we, we can actually promote a new product um, that we think this is the best recipe experience or um, a big one for us all of a sudden is health. The concept of connect all your wearables, maybe using IFTI, connect all your wearables to a health notebook, yeah. share that with your doctor. Yeah. So the doctor and you can have uh, your day-to-day. Cool. Yeah.
0: That's cool. Very cool. So we always like to end with an opportunity for you to plug anything you'd like to plug. Okay. Uh, and so with that,
1: all right. So, an app, So, something I'd love to plug. I would say, if you are a startup and you've just launched or you're trying to get more distribution, something that is a low risk for any of the app store editors, even Apple or Google. Uh, there's a company called Challenge Post. It's actually a free tool for hackathons. You can uh, you can host them. Um, you can host your project on there. They've always been a hackathon tool. They were the original team behind Challenge.gov. It's actually uh, the U.S. Um, kind of like, what can you do to improve government services? But now what they have is any developer, any startup can for free upload their project to challenge Post. You can have screenshots. It's almost like a, an app store listing, but it's just open and free. Mm. And so if you tag it with Evernote, I have a landing page on challenge post that says built with Evernote, or you can also say, show me all apps that were built with Node.js. JS. Yeah. And what I love is it gives me a chance. I can't accept everything in the app center. Because sometimes I'm like, that's about a year away. That app needs some QA work. That app yeah. needs some more feedback. If I have a link that I can send to our users, I'll share it on social media. I'll be mm. like, check out this new app, give the devs feedback, and then it's a way for you to actually get some distribution before we go big. Yeah. Because I'd like to take time until the integration is perfect. And, yeah, that came out of nowhere. I kind of thought it up, and I, I asked the Challenge Post guys if it was cool for me to route people there. And... Um, they're a resource for developers. Their relationship is with developers. And, um, yeah, so I think they're really great. And, um, yeah, I think uh, anything that helps you get more value out of that. Oh, one more thing I'd say that's kind of in conjunction. Um, there's a there's a free service called Global App Testing. They're yeah. actually based in the UK. Oh, cool. And we've been sending a lot of our uh, developers that we think they're really close, but there's some bugs. There's some QA bugs. Yeah. Um, we'll send them the Global App Testing. and. It helps get that app. We love reviewing an app after I know you've already had QA testing. Yeah, That's kind of one of those things you forget when you're going launch. Yeah, But that's the first thing we notice when we're saying, mm. is this of quality? Yet? Yeah. So, yeah, Challenge Post and Global App Testing are um, good tools to get your product where they need to be.
0: Cool. It's very great recommendations. Yeah. And with that, thanks, guys, for joining us. And until next time. Thank you.